Welcome to the Irish NFL Show. My name is Shane Brennan, and thank you very much for joining me to what is the first, I guess, small snippet of what I'm hoping to be a more comprehensive series, reviewing the Dynasty television series, focusing on the New England Patriots Dynasty. And I'm sure over the next co- the course of the next couple of weeks, we hope to have a few guests, a few familiar voices help reviewing this type of thing. And if we are fortunate, people who are closest to the action at the time. Um, but look, today it's just me and... I'm, so I'm going to apologize now. Firstly, if you're not a Patriots fan, this is going to be effectively like a nice little excuse to keep track of what's going on in Patriots land over the next uh, over the next nine weeks. So if you're not a Patriots fan, I'm sorry. But, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't me who made the series. But uh, whether you are or not, I think that it's important to break down what what is a quite a comprehensive series on the American football team was defined the 21st well. Most of the 21st century, of course, the Chiefs have very much taken that uh, torch now. I compare it to various situations that we see going on in the NFL right now. And one thing I want to begin on is Tom Brady himself. That this, the if you read the book, and I've read the book, I've listened to the audio book, and now I've watched the series. And there's a lot of you know the the series, unlike the book, goes straight into the 2001 season. Um, and the first two episodes only focus on the 2001 NFL season. That's a momentous of a year that was and it takes up two episodes of a 10 episode series that one year we don't even get the Super Bowl just yet and footage in it is excellent the first hand accounts in it are fantastic and add something to it that the book doesn't do one of the book does which I don't think the television series has done or probably will do is focus a lot on how Kraft bought the team in the first place the fact that the team was had gone through various owners who weren't fantastic there was a, a lot of talk that the Patriots would move to St. Louis. Of course, Stan Kroenke was was in the mix to buy the team until Kraft eventually did. And then Kraft, or Kroenke uh, eventually decided to buy the Rams and move them to St. Louis. A lot of history around that, the fact that Kraft's relationship with people in Massachusetts, with the politicians in Massachusetts, was not great. There was a chance that he was going to build a new stadium in Connecticut. All the kind of stuff which is in the book, which I don't think they're going to focus on in the series, but if you are the kind of person who has connections to that part of the world or just interested in the, how the NFL works behind the scenes and the ownership and the uh, Kraft's relationship with uh, Roger Goodell, back when Roger Goodell was an assistant commissioner, Kraft's relationship with people in CBS and how he helps organize a, a bumper TV package which has helped really increase the value of the NFL. It's, it's a really interesting read and I would recommend it. But we're going to focus on what the TV series focuses on and it begins right at... Probably the, one of the most important uh, talked about tackles in American football history when the, it was the first game after 9-11. The Patriots are hosting the Jets and Drew Bledsoe gets taken out of the game in a tackle that could have cost him his life where he did not rush to Mass General Hospital. And Tom Brady came in. So naturally, the battle between Bledsoe and Brady became the main talking point between the of the first two episodes. We have to remember as well that Bledsoe came into this. He was the number one draft pick in 1995, I believe. He had brought the Patriots to a Super Bowl back when Bill Parcells was head coach. Uh, didn't win. Green Bay Packers won that one. But that was something that the Patriots had very rarely done. And The Patriots, by the way, who were very much the fourth most popular sports team in the Boston area. People cared way more about the Red Sox, Celtics and Bruins than they did about you know that stupid football team. Uh, it was one of the few places in America that was like that. And it really just shows how things have changed since then. It's amazing what winning does for you in a place like Boston. But 
I think the uh, two interesting things come to me. One about Bledsoe, one about Brady. Firstly, I just I sit back and I wonder what it's like to be Drew Bledsoe because he's come onto these things. He, he, he every time he, he sees me roll out in the media, he's talk, he's not talking about when he was brought into the Patriots in the first place. He's not talking about when he won the AFC Championship. He's not talking about his time in the Bills or the Cowboys that followed. They're always asking him about the 2001 season when he got sidelined for this kid, effectively. So I wonder what that's like for him. He was the highest paid athlete in the NFL at the time. You know, gets taken out of the game to no fault of his own, really. And then, I imagine from his point of view, has his job taken. And you can hear in clips in the in the show how disappointed the Bledsoe family were with the Patriots because they had a very close relationship with Robert Kraft and um, and yet he he didn't get a chance to be given his job back as he would he would put it I was angry the Patriots brought him in at 21 years old and he had built this team this franchise for this one hit to change everything I was just saying there's no loyalty. I guess just your thoughts on being out as a coach Belichick mate. Are you hurt, frustrated, or how do you feel? <laughs> Next question. Are you given any idea of what would have to happen for this situation to change? No. In any way, did you see this coming through? Um, I'll just put it this way. I look forward to the chance to compete for my job. And I think you hear there in, in that bit the... I guess the the quarterback controversy that was there at the time, and we know we've quarterback controversies now, but I don't think there was anything really like this. And we have to put it in context. It's great looking back in hindsight, being oh, Bill Belichick winning his coach of or not winning his coach or at the most Super Bowls of all time, great head coach Tom Brady, great player. But that, that's what we're looking at it now. And I believe there's a temptation to rewrite history sometimes, which is gathering a lot of uh, attention in the Boston media who are slamming Robert Kraft, but that's nothing new. But I think it's important to take a step back and just realize how unusual it was. And this was the, you know, there's a very, very fine line between madness and genius. And I'll get on to Tom Brady in a second. But how the Belichick stuck with, you know, a second-year quarterback from Michigan who was the fourth string when he got drafted and was a very low draft instead of the guy who, was getting paid all this money, and Robert Kraft could have very easily came in and said, "Look, I'm paying all this guy all this money. Don't put, don't leave him on the bench." You know, and if if it was another owner, say Jerry Jones or somebody like that, that very well might have been what happened. And there's a lot of question marks over, I guess the the, the wisdom of that decision. And of course, it, it now that they won the Super Bowl, it looks great in, in in hindsight. But you have to remember, like Belichick was a failure in, in Cleveland, which is something that is dug into in the TV series uh, fantastically. I would recommend you go see it. Like I, I, I wasn't even aware, and I've not not talked about much in the book how how uh, how hated he was in Cleveland uh, by the time he left when he was head coach there in the nineties, and he had just come off with Drew Bledsoe having a five and eleven season, so it's not exactly flying high. It's not like you know he's not a yeah he's he's on the road to failing a second time, and you know in the NFL you can fail once, you can't fail twice, and all of a sudden he's making a decision to pick. This young guy is a starting quarterback instead of uh, instead of Drew Bledsoe, the face of the franchise. It's you know if we compare it to to what's happening now, it's like I don't know. It's like uh, Jake Browning being the, uh, decided ahead of Joe Burrow at the Bengals. You know Joe Burrow having been the face of the franchise, gotten all this money, 
led the the, the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl, and then being sidelined by a backup, or be like, you know, it's 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 just a very unusual situation, and it is a very fine line between. And I've said this before while talking about um, what's up with Detroit Lions. It's a very fine line between being a genius and a gobshite. And that is a, and I think there it fell on the side of genius because it worked and the Patriots did end up going on to win the Super Bowl. And just on that topic, I want to focus a little bit on Tom Brady. What, what, one of the, I think the most important takeaways for me is the, there was talk about what Brady was like when he was, you know, roommates with a few of the other young guys. And he was uh, sharing a condo, which he bought off Ty Law. And there was a little, little bit of crack going on there saying, oh, Ty Law didn't give me a good deal, whatever. One of the things I found most interesting was in it, uh, David Nugent, who was a former Patriots defensive lineman who was Brady's roommate at the time, uh, was t- telling anecdotes about Brady's legendary competitiveness or what we now consider legendary competitiveness. And I think Patrick Mahomes, if we look at it today, is somebody who rivals that legendary competitiveness. But he's talking about you know, they're playing this Nintendo game called Tecmo Bowl, which I imagine is like the 1980s version of Madden. I don't know. I'm not. I, I wasn't around back then, to be fair. I I know Brady getting real hyped up. He was switched on all the time. He never wanted to lose. He was trying to find ways to well, bang his foot on the floor to make sure that to make sure that, that the game turned off and lots of other areas where it was just ultra ultra competitive. And again, this is the, this is the fine line between being between genius and madness because if he turned out to be someone who failed or if he turned out to be someone who talked a lot and never delivered and we've seen so many of these people across the NFL over the past number of years and people who show their competitiveness talk about about how fantastic they are and they come out and there's just a bit of a dud and now that we're looking ahead to the draft there's going to be a lot of these players who I'm sure are talking themselves up, who I'm sure will believe in themselves to be the next big thing, and particularly on the quarterback position, who won't go anywhere. And we see that with previous drafts and even previous number one picks. You know, you can, whatever, whatever your persuasion is, I'm sure you can list off players yourself. So when you see somebody who is that ultra competitive now, does everyone think, oh, here's the next Tom Brady? Does everyone think, oh, geez, he's crazy? So what did the players think back then that he was now when they're coming on to this television program which is called The Dynasty so it obviously preempts the fact that they were successful that Tom Brady's competitiveness was a key aspect to how the Patriots won three Super Bowls in the early 2000s. You know when we, at that time I wonder what were they actually thinking were they thinking geez he's a bit nuts you know, who, <laughs> who is this kid who came in from Michigan who just will not lose? Is he, you know, is he fantastic or is he a bit of a brat? I don't know what, what people were really thinking back then. And again, that's the the difference between hindsight that, I don't know, the, 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 when we're watching this, of course, it will, it will lay, lay out everything uh, pretty well. But I think it's worth remembering that take the same situation that people like Brady or Belichick or Kraft are in and transpose it onto so many of the owners, coaches or quarterbacks across the league who haven't won anything yet and think, oh, if they did that, would I think they're a bit nuts? And the chances are, yeah, you would. With somebody who hasn't won any, any Super Bowls, the new coaches or the new owners of the, the Washington Commanders 
you know, we're paying so much money for a star starting quarterback and then didn't step in to say, hey, play the guy I'm paying when when some backup rookie plays against uh, a team with throws a couple of interceptions, as happened for the Patriots at home to the, the St. Louis Rams in the 2001 season. How how many of the ESPNs and Foxes and Irish NFL shows of this world would be chilling up and saying, this guy is nuts? And I'm sure there are many people saying that in the Patriots era. All these people were absolutely bonkers. But for the Patriots, it worked. And I think that's the, you know, that's the difference. And what I want to know is, as the series goes on, why did it work? Because the stuff that that did that was done in New England at the time didn't work, doesn't work for everybody. Didn't work for New England even after Tom Brady left. The the whole let's pull out Mac Jones and play Bailey Zappi thing. So I don't know. This is a. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the series, and I'm sorry if if uh, sorry for putting you through 12 minutes of listening to just my voice. But as we go on to this series, we will have a couple of people to give a, a more rounded reaction. We will have a bit of conversation with you. Want to add in what you want to say? You can follow us on Instagram or on Twitter and tell us what you think, whether it's about this or about our coverage of the upcoming drafts. Thank you very much for listening. And by the way, if you do want to know what it was like inside New England or talk to somebody who was there, Peter King is live in Dublin in Buskers Off The Ball on uh, Thursday the 28th of March. Tickets are still available. It's going to be a fantastic night. Peter King has been there and done that around so many of the great teams of, of the last few decades. And I think this is a if not once in a lifetime opportunity, a very rare opportunity to speak to somebody who has been at the front line and has spoken to so many of the greats over the years. So please get on that. For me, for now, thank you very much. Yeah, but-